Well, Paul says in Hebrews chapter 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in past, time past to the fathers, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And that is the wonder of the gospel. The Godhead came down here to us and spoke to us. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? That he came down here so that we could go up there <laughs> to him. Isn't that wonderful? God has sent his son and spoken unto us, who being, and this is Jesus, the brightness of his glory. Isn't it wonderful? When you can really see Jesus, you can see the glory. John the Apostle said, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son of God. And so we're here to lift up the living word, which is Christ manifested in the flesh. The word, it says, was made flesh and dwelt among us. So that's why these, these 66 books are so important because they are God speaking to you if you can have ears to hear. And if this is the thing to see, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. So the only real way you're going to hear the Word of God, you can hear some words this morning, but you're going to have to take it home and speak of that Word each day over your life. Jesus is your great high priest, as we're going to come to now, but you are actually the priest of your house. If you can grasp it. And if you will learn to speak God's word out of your mouth, you will hear it and faith will come. Do you get it? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you learn each day you get up. Go to this Word. Memorize it. Speak it out of your mouth. You will hear it, and faith will come. The Word, Christ, was made flesh. It dwelt among us. That living Christ can come and minister to you as your great high priest if you will let him. See, this is the whole problem. We thank God for prophet, priest, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers, prophets, all this. But there's got to come a point in time where you come off your bottle You know, come off your bottle. You can go to church on Sunday morning and the pastor can fill your bottle. But you've got to come off the bottle and be weaned onto the meat. You've got to start learning to cook food and stop eating ingredients. You can't really eat ingredients. You've got to cook it. 
haven't you? And the only way you can cook it is if you learn to read it, think about it, meditate on it, chew it, eat it, and it comes inside you and it becomes the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life to you. Man shall not live, Jesus said, by meat, word alone, but every what? Word. You've got to have to hear the preceding word of God. Are you a child of God or are you not? Are you going to listen to what the communication of the world says to you? Or are you going to get alone with God and hear what God says? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, it'll straighten your thinking out. It'll straighten out what the world is telling you about you. And it will tell you what God says about you. See, it's what God says about you. What does God say about you? This is what he says about you. He, um, he, he, he is very clear um, about what God says about you. And in Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 1. Let me read Ephesians 1. Wait a minute. I'm going to come back to Galatians now. This is what God says about you. You're blessed. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. But you can be blessed with something and it become on the table, but do you come to the table to partake of it? This is the problem, isn't it? According as you are chosen, you've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that you should be what? Holy. Holiness and righteousness is the key to the gospel. It's not love. It's righteousness. God is right about everything. When you don't think he's right, he is right. You don't understand everything. I do not understand everything, but he's always right. When you can settle that in your mind and get that right, you'll start to think right. You'll begin to understand that justification is, is a word that it means that you've been justified by a righteous God to live a righteous life. And you can be holy. Hol without holiness, the word of God, no man shall see God. He's deceived. The pure in heart and the beatitude says, see God. This is the secret. This is what righteousness does to you. It stops you having what I call stinking thinking. Stinking thinking will take you down the pit. But the new renewed mind will take you up to where Jesus came to bring down to take you up to. That you will be blessed with all spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places. You've got a seat at the table in heavenly places, at the king's table. Why do you go and eat but in the cellar with Satan? 
when you can go upstairs with Jesus. He's such a liar. He's such a thief. He put his delicacies on the table and they look delicious. But you eat them and they'll kill you. He's a mass murderer. Satan is a mass murderer. He's a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. Jesus said he's the father of lies. This is the only truth you're going to get. It's the word of God. The word of God is truth. Jesus said in John 17, Sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. It doesn't matter if you stand alone like Elijah, but stand alone with God. And don't mess about with these other prophets of Baal. We've got a lot of Balaamism in the church. Two churches in Revelation were interfered with Jezebel and Balaam. Two out of the seven. And we've got the same problem with the seven churches today. The same problem with Baal and the same problem with stinking thinking that's not according to the Word of God. And poor old Elijah said, Lord, it's only me left. Well, he hadn't. He got a lot of other people that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And I'm not going to bow, and you shouldn't bow, because we've got a God of righteousness and justice who will bring us out and vindicate you. He'll vindicate you. Well, Elijah ran, didn't he? From a light, but God supplied his needs, as I said last night. God supernaturally supplied. Look, when you stand with God, God doesn't leave you on your own. He supplies every need that you have according to his riches and glory. There's a way that's right. It's a highway of righteousness. It's a highway of justice. And that's the way we go. Be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us. So we're blessed, we're chosen, we're holy, we're predestinated, we're adopted. And in verse 7, we have redemption, we have forgiveness, and he's made unto us what? Wisdom and prudence. That's what we've got in Christ. Why do you go to the tree of knowledge and evil to find what's right and what's wrong? You don't. You go to Jesus, the tree of life. You go to Jesus, the tree of life. We have access through the blood. Hebrews 12. And I want to speak to you this morning about Moses. You know, Moses was a man... I don't think that Jochebed, his mother, when the edict went out from Pharaoh, that every Hebrew boy that was born, she t he told the midwives, you slay them. This was genocide, wasn't it? Old time, modern day genocide. Nothing different, nothing's changed. And she fell pregnant again, and she had another baby, and his name was Moses. She didn't name him. At least we don't know what his name was. But he got named by Pharaoh's daughter, didn't he? And there's, there's Jochebed. Well, what was Jochebed believing? I'll tell you what she was believing. We've got to get something to believe. It's got to come from here, the Word of God. When you're in trouble, you need to hear what God says here. And be a Jochebed. And get a word from God. And understand why you're living in such a terrible, dangerous day like she lived in the days of Pharaoh. Well, we're living in dangerous days. These are perilous days. 
These are deceptive days. People in the church believe they're right when they're wrong. They're deceived. Do you know what sin will do to you? It will deceive you and kill you. It's got a destructive force. Sinners. But Jesus broke the power of sin. He delivered us. He gave us freedom. And now Jochebed is looking. And this is what God said to Abraham. If I can find it. Here it is. You remember when God was dealing with Abraham and he was on his journey of faith in Genesis 3.15 and he didn't know how things were going like we do. God, when are you going to come through? When am I going to have this child you promised me? When is he going to come? And this is what God says to Abraham in a vision. Fear not. God is saying to you, fear not. Resist fear, lust, anger, and pride, as I keep telling you. Fear. He says, fear not, Abraham in a vision saying, I am your shield and exceeding great reward. That's who Jesus, the I am, is to you. Will you believe it? He's your shield and exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, but Lord, Wilt will they give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house, etc., 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 etc. And God said to him, There shall come forth out of thine own bowels, thine own heir. You see, God would test, things would test your faith. God does want to prove your faith. We're all under appraisal from God. God is saying to you, You believe in me? Where's your faith? Where is your faith? Do you know what Jesus said to the, to the disciples in the boat? Where is your faith? And they were sinking. They were fishermen. So they knew if they were sinking or not, wouldn't they? You know, they were on the sea every day, but they were sinking. And Jesus said, where is your faith? You see, if we got the word of God, and we know we're a child of God, we can say what God said to Abraham, fear not, and God will say to you, I am your shield. In other words, I'll protect you, and I'm your seed in great reward. And he said, and this is what he goes on, and then he gets this encounter with Jesus. About, and he, he cuts, he's told to cut these five sacrificial animals, cut them in pieces, and, he, and as he took them, he said, he divided them in the midst and laid each piece, one against the other, but the words divided. And when the fowls came down upon them, Abraham was driving them away. But he said, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And, and God said to Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years and also that nation whom they serve will I judge. I am your shield and exceeding great reward and afterwards they shall come forth with substance and you shall go to your fathers in peace. 
You go forward now to Exodus chapter 1. And he says in, in Exodus 1, Pharaoh charged all the people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall, st you shall save alive. And this is what it says. And there was a man of house of Eli took a wife of Levi, and they bare a son, and they saw he was a goodly child. This is Moses. I think the translation there is, it's like one of these magnificent babies that arrive on the scene, you know. <laughs> um... We had a big baby, our first one. We used to call him Billums. He used to fill the whole house. It seemed that the whole house was full of, full of Billums. Well, I think Moses was a bit like this. He was just one big, massive baby. And he just filled the whole house. And I thought, well, how can we hide this? <laughs> Jochebed said, how in the world can we hide this baby? The Pharaoh's not having this baby, she said. Can you say about your children, Satan's not going to have your baby? Mm -hmm. Have you got some children like Moses and the Satan's trying to kill them? Throw them in the river of death. I've interceded for that Billums. He went, he went on a journey, but he's come back to the Father. <laughs> they can come back. You know, Jochebed means Yahweh, really. The meaning of Jochebed is actually Yahweh, the glory of God. We've got a woman here that's so indistinct, and yet she's living for the glory of God. Do you know, it doesn't matter who you are, but if you can live for the glory of God, you're going to get the wisdom of God, as we just read in Ephesians 1. God is going to tell you, oh yeah, you put this baby in and make a little, you know, ark for it and, bull, and woven and pitch it with tar and stick it in the river. And Miriam must have said, you're bonkers, ma'am. Bonkers. What's going to happen to it in the river? All the crocodiles are going to get him. You know, but this is the wisdom of God. See? She is walking by faith because she believed this promise that after 400 years they're going to come out with much substance and that God is going to deliver them from the slavery and the genocide of a wicked Pharaoh. Look, we got a wicked person in Satan. He wants to kill all your children. And he's been very successful at what I've seen about some Christian people. I've got one family, they've got five sons and all of them are not following the Lord. And yet their parents were. Do you know, you've got to be a Jochebed. You've got to be a mother like Jochebed who's concerned about her family. Anyway, she's walking by faith. You know, when you're walking by faith, it doesn't make, you can't see the end result. You can't see what's coming. But you get wisdom from God. And she believed it's the time of our deliverance. It's a time we Israelites got out of this persecution 
this genocide. Do you know the gospel is in the Old Testament as much as the New? This is the gospel. That Jesus has come to liberate you and that every one of your children will be saved. They will not die in the river of death. They will come in and come into God's house. And there we are, he's in the bulrushes. Well, it's not clear whether this thing was put where it was or it travelled down the river to where it was. And so Pharaoh's daughter comes down and here's the crying baby, because he was a big baby, he must have had a big cry, see. <laughs> he was bawling his head off. And so Pharaoh's daughter looks at this magnificent baby. Do you know, it, history tells us the Pharaohs were so inbred that all their children died in their 20s or 30s. That's what history tells us. She thought, if I could get a baby like that and put him on the throne, he would live a long time. And that's what Satan thinks, if I can get your children and do, do with them what I want. No, no, no. Miriam's standing by. She sees, and she says, do you want me to bring a nursemaid? Do you want somebody to nurse this baby? Wisdom from God again, isn't it? When you're walking by faith, what you get is wisdom from God. So they take the baby back to Jochebed, she nurses it until it's about six years old, they reckon. We weaned it till about five or six and takes it back into Pharaoh's palace. But you know, this woman, Jochebed, has so instilled faith into this child, even when it's been 40 years in Egypt, he hasn't been brainwashed by Egyptian, you know, it's a big thing now, isn't it? Egyptian, Egyptian, all these pyramids, and it was all lined with lime, and the magnificent, and the pharmaceutical, and the, and the doctors, and the, all the stuff and nonsense, you know, and all the PhDs, the post-old diggers we got. No, no, we need the word of God. And you know, this is what it says. There's five things in Hebrews 11 that God says about Moses. Five things that are working. God is working. Let me turn to Hebrews 11. And you see now what is happening here with Moses. It says, by faith, in verse 23, Moses when he was born, in other words, it should be Jochebed, but it says Moses, because Moses was a baby. So it wasn't Moses, it was this mother, Jochebed. Yeah. If we could get some mothers in, his, in the church like Jochebed, things would turn out very different. It would turn out very different. When he was born, hid him three months for his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused, this is the point, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Notice this big statement now. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. That's faith. That was faith installed in that boy by Jochebed. He's now 40 years old. That woman has got the word of God into that boy. She's trained him, you're a son of Abraham. 
You're a child of God. You're not a son of Pharaoh. And no matter how they've educated you and how brilliant you kept you and adorned you with magnificent, you know, Pharaoh's garment and all the rest of it, that's not you. You are a child of the king. Yeah, this is what we've got to say. I'm very impressed with Moses. He says, esteeming the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had what? Listen to this statement. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now think about this now. You're dealing with time and eternity. Just think about it. How much longer have you and I got till we face eternity? It's a very serious subject, isn't it? But Moses got it. This is the man Moses with a mother like Jochebed who believed the promise, who believed they could have a deliverer. She saw this child and saw that this child, but she never expected to have another child because the genocide had been announced. She thought, I better not have any more children, but she has this child. And he's a magnificent child. And he's destined to be a deliverer. And she believes it. Look here, you've got the deliverer in you. The deliverer is Jesus Christ. He can deliver us from anything. He can give us the wisdom. This woman, Jochebed, sees down the ages. She saw the promise of God and she believed it. Can you believe when you're in slavery and under genocide and see you've got to have a word that comes to you that gives you a sight of something you cannot see with the senses. Faith gives you sight into a spiritual kingdom that you can never see with your natural senses. You've got to be able to see the kingdom, to see the kingdom of God, and to see the recompense of the reward. What does the word of God say? The Lord is a rewarder of those. What did he say? A rewarder of those who, what? Diligently seek him. Not casually seek him. Diligently seek him. You give your life to it. The, the just to live by faith, the life of faith, will take you over. Because it's not your life, it's Christ's life in you, getting you ready for the great recompense of reward that's coming. You've got to, you've got to be careful of this. This world with all its... will blot out everything if you let it. You've got to stop looking at it and start looking at Jesus. You see, we are blessed where? With all spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places. Jesus came down that we might take us up there, that we might have a great high priest who will speak to us and we will hear the word of God. The word of God will give you wisdom. And Jochebed gets a word. Put this child in an ark, a bulrush, to protect him. Look here. That, is, that, is, that has to be a word from God. That doesn't have... A, a guaranteed end result at all. But when you believe God, you're walking by faith. As he said about Abraham, he didn't know where he was going, 
but he knew with whom he was going. He was going with God. You are called, as we read those things in Ephesians, open Ephesians in the morning and say, I'm beloved, I'm chosen, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I'm blessed. Dwell upon your inheritance. Don't let the enemy steal from you your internal inheritance because he's a thief, Jesus said, and a robber. I believe, you know, as I think about Jethro, I think, what a mother in Israel she was. God give us many more. When Moses gets in the palace, and then it says in Hebrews 11, it says this about him. The next one. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of a God, for he endured as what? Seeing him who is invisible. Well, how do you see something invisible? Only by faith. You see, you've got five senses in your soul area. You've got a body, you've got a soul with all these five senses, and you've got a spirit. When you were born, if you weren't born, everyone is born in sin, is shape and iniquity, but when you get quickened, When you get regenerated, that dead spirit gets recreated a new spirit. What does Paul say in Corinthians? The first Adam was a living soul. And the last Adam the second, was a, is what? A quickening spirit. We have been quickened. But, as the great John Bunyan says, when I get quickened, I get justified. I've been given Christ's righteousness. And when God looks at me, he sees no sin. I'm forgiven. I've passed out of darkness into light. I passed out of judgment in, and condemnation into acceptance. But, as the great John Bunyan says, that justification stands in imperfection because I got a body. And I've got a soul with senses. And what's got to happen, as I look into this mirror of the Word and see who I am, the Word of God is going to change what I think into what God thinks. And if I can say what God thinks about me out of my mouth, faith will come because I will hear it myself speaking it. And that faith will change what I'm thinking into what God thinks. What does Paul say? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is the whole thing. We come into a place of renewal, or as the great preachers in Boston, Boston's day and John Bunyan, they call it the state of recovery. You know, Paul, I think when you bought that house, you had a lot of recovering to do, didn't you? It didn't look like it looks now, I'm sure, did it? We have to, and God justifies people, we come as we are. We're ungodly people, but because we accept his son and his righteousness, he justifies us and he gives us his righteousness. As somebody says, he catches the fish and then he cleans them. 
I'm in the process of change. I'm in the process of being changed from one degree of glory to another. I can experience some glory, but there's more glory. There's more glory. There's more glory. There's so much more. God is an immeasurable. He's absolutely tremendous. Eternity is going to be glorious. It's wonderful. But we've got to get ready. We've got to get ready. Yeah. And so, I'm not just a forgiven sinner. I'm justified. But I'm in the process of being made holy and separated, segregated. So that I become what? A tabernacle. I become a house of God. Where I, and Jesus says, if you love me, my, fa my Father will love you. And we, John says, will come and dwell with you. Amen. You get the Father. You get the Son. You get the Holy Ghost. And you can start to lift your hands and say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me into your house. Thank you, Jesus. That you've called me and chosen me and given me this, and you will esteem the riches of Egypt nothing compared to the treasures in Christ. You'll experience the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints in light. <laughs> You'll you get fresh revelation. Do you know God's menu? is new every morning. He doesn't give you beans and chips every day. No, no, no. He's got a very good, he's a very good chef. He gives you a wide variety. He, he knows how to feed his sheep. <laughs> feed his sheep. Feed his lambs. Yes. And these times are here to, these sessions are here to encourage you to take hold of what is your inheritance. Take hold of it. Lay hold of it. Don't let anybody, as uh, the Revelation says, steal. What? Your crown. Don't let anybody steal it. It's been given to you. Satan will do everything he can to steal it. He put all his delicacies and his dainties in front of you. I've, I've had some of it in my life. I've been through all sorts of situations and I won't bore you with them because I'm sure you have plenty of your own. <laughs> I said to the Lord one day, I said, I feel terrible. He said, you feel terrible? I said, I feel dreadful. I said, I go to bed at night wondering whether I wake up in the morning. And he said, what about Job then? You're not as bad as Job. You haven't lost your home, your children, all your money, and you're not sitting with scores and scratching in the dust like Job. I said, I know, Lord, but I do feel bad. <laughs> I've, been, I've been everywhere. I've been all, to all sorts of places in the Spirit. But you know, God is, every time somebody is giving me a book <laughs> or a tape <laughs> or something that says to me and teaches me 
I'm not supposed to be in this pit. Yes. And it was like the old donkey. The farmer had enough of him. This donkey had run out of steam. He couldn't do nothing with him. He was as stubborn as a mule. He put him down a pit and tried to bury him. He, you know, he put the, dug a bit pit, put the old donkey down. And he went around with his digger and put a whole lot of muck on top of it. And every time the muck came down, the donkey would do this. Until the last load of muck went down and he got out of the pit. Well, <laughs> I've been a bit like that. I've been a bit of an old donkey. But I, I, I'm turning into a racehorse now. <laughs> <laughs> I've had an injection. <laughs> glory. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> this is the medicine we need. This is the food we need. We need spiritual food. It feeds the inner man. <laughs> and you start to, you'll be like Elijah. He'd been very depressed down there. He said, Lord, you know, I'm the only one left. And God feeds him, and then God said, I'm sending the rain. Go back to Ahab and say, I'm sending the rain. And the rain started to come. And Elijah could run so fast, he could outrun a chariot with four horses. With four horses. Elijah outrun a chariot with four horses. That is not normal. <laughs> no matter how good his running shoes are. It's all supernatural, isn't it? <laughs> This is supernatural. This is spiritual. You can move from the flesh into the spirit. Can you? Can you do it? Can you do it? Oh, as we heard last night, you're going to be a Cain or an Abel. You know, you've got to deal with yourself. You can't bring a stinking attitude in the house of God and say, I hate that person. And they sit in there and then she sit over there. I've had enough of them, you know. No, you can't. Because you, when you get like that, you become a stinker. And when you become a stinker, you stink. And people keep away from you. Because you've got a wrong attitude. Isn't it? You've got to keep a right attitude. And it's not easy. Because I've been to bed some nights and I've boiled over something. And the Lord said to me, you're a dead man. Dead people don't have attitudes like that because they're dead. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Why? Because you can have a resurrection then. You can get raised up into heavenly places. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing when you get raised up into heavenly places, isn't it? Everything looks different. Everything looks different from up there. And so Moses, Moses now has been instilled, this Jochebed is a first-class teacher. She's actually told this bloke <laughs> that he could deliver Israel. He's 40 years old now. He's been taught everything the world knows, so he thinks, I'm going to work now. I'm going to sort this out now. <laughs> Moses... And so he sees uh, an Egyptian flogging a, a Hebrew, so he thinks, they'll be looking right. I'll kill this bloke. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do God's work for him. God has got to do it through you. <laughs> yes. Isn't it? 
And so it, it turns out that this incident gets to the ears of Pharaoh. And so now they're looking for Moses, and so Moses does a runner. But it's all in God's plan. Yes. See, you can't do God's work. There's a lot of young people think when they get blessed, they can do everything, you know. I was like that. I thought I could do everything, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the kid on the block, you know. I can, oh. And then something happens and you just find yourself flat on your back and you think, well, what's happened to me? Well, Moses was flat on his back now. He's running to the other side of the wilderness. And he ends up with a household with five girls and, and he gets one of these girls called Zipporah. <laughs> I don't know what Zipporah means, but <laughs> I don't know whether they zipped him up because... <laughs> because... <laughs> And so Moses was in the backside of the desert being slow cooked <laughs> for 40 years. <laughs> That's how long it took God to get the Moses out of Moses so he could get the God in him. And so, look, I pray that God will do a quicker job on you. I'm, I, I, I think it's been 40 years with me, actually. It's been a long time. <laughs> Ask Ayurveda. <laughs> You know, some of us are, are like the donkey. We, we want our way. But God has got a way of, uh, of, um, of disciplining you so you can't get up very quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got a way of disciplining you. And, 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 and so poor old Moses now. He's in the backside of the desert. And he's walking along one day. These sheep and these goats. Sheep and goats. And he's thinking about what his mother taught him. It's time for Israel to be delivered. It's time for a deliverer to be sent to bring people out. And the human brain says, impossible. Your situation might look impossible. But nothing with God is impossible if you can get a word from God. If you can hear God and actually believe it. See, this is the point. It's hearing God. Moses had been stewing for 40 years. God had been slow cooking him for 40 years. And he was thinking, how in the world can I get my brethren out of Egypt? I know it's your will. Your mother's told me what God said to Abraham. I will bring them out with great substance and with great judgment upon the Pharaoh and his country and his land. How in the world can this happen? And there he is walking. And there's one of these bushes burning like they always burnt in the heat. But this bush didn't burn away. It just kept burning. And so Moses steps aside to see what is this phenomenon that the bush is burning, but it's not burning away. And a voice speaks to him out of the bush. This is God speaking to him. You see, what you need is that when you can understand that the word of God is your great high priest, Jesus, speaking to you and you can believe it 
and say it and hear it and faith will come and God will give you wisdom what to do. This encounter in the burning bush was obviously the turning point in Moses' life. It completely changed his life. It completely changed him. It says, Moses now would turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw, this is the point, this is the point, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, then God called to him. In other words, is your world so busy that you never turn aside to the Word of God? Do you do everything before and then if you get time, you go to the Word of God. That's no good. God is interested in being first. He wants you first. And this is a big challenge for us because every one of us are living in a world with all sorts of things going on in our lives, our families, all sorts of things. But we've got, to resi we've got to resist the fear, lust, anger, and pride, and we've got to say, I'm going to put Jesus first. Amen. The Word first. You see, will you turn aside from everything that's going on, saying, Lord, I come to you. See, Jesus is much more than your Savior. He's much more than your sanctifier, your justifier. He's your great high priest. We've got to understand that Jesus is sitting there now. He's the head of the church. We are the body. But are we willing to acknowledge him as our great high priest? This is the book of Hebrews. This is why the Hebrew epistle is so important. You see, it was Melchizedek who appeared to Abraham. That was Jesus. He was not Shem, as some people preach. The Jews preach. As Calvin says, Jewish fables. It was Jesus. He brought forth bread and wine. As Paul says in Galatians 3, God preached before the gospel to Abraham. And he was justified. He was counted as righteous. And then God tested that righteousness in all his journey. How he brought that sacrifice here, those five animals. How he took into circumcision. How when he made a mistake with Ishmael, he was willing to turn him out. You have to turn the flesh out. You can't let Ishmael dwell in your house. The carnal-minded, Paul says, is death. But to be spiritually minded is, is life and peace. It hurts. This hurts. It hurts us to do 
is is the circumcision, Paul says in Colossians, of the cross. Where Jesus suffered the extreme for us. But we do suffer. But if we do suffer, Jesus says, we will reign with him. Well, I'd rather reign with him and suffer. Wouldn't you? I'd rather be like Elijah and stand on my own. I don't care if nobody likes me. If Jesus likes me, I'm happy. Isn't that right? Yeah. Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of light and darkness. With God, there's no gray area. It's light and darkness. You've got to come into the light. What is John 9 all about? A blind man, remember? That God healed. And he didn't know it was Jesus, did he? And he's walking around. He's been blind from birth. And he's walking around. And you read it in John 9. And then this blind man is preaching to the Pharisees and said, well, that's an extraordinary thing that you don't believe in him. And yet, it's never been heard in the whole world that a man is... This man must be sent from God. And the thick Pharisees say, oh, no. And kicked him out. Well, that's Phariseeism, isn't it? I've seen plenty of Pharisees. Yeah, the carpet is more important than souls. Oh, we can't have a youth club in here because it'll spoil the carpet. The carpet was useless anyway. But you know, some people are just thick. Thick spiritually. This is the problem, isn't it? Well, my goodness me. Moses turns aside and then God speaks. You're going to have to turn aside and give God your undivided attention for God to speak to you. He's not, you can't have Jesus on the side. Or as Reinhard Bonnke says, he's got to be in the driving seat. And it's, you've got to make these choices. This is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it hurts. Do you know, it hurt Abraham to cast that that bondwoman's son out. That hurt him. That was his boy. That hurts. Circumcision hurts. (laughs) Evidently. I had it when I was eight days old. I can't remember it. But I understand when they got to Gilgal, they had quite a few days to recover before they could enter the promised land. You can't enter the promised land without circumcision. I can tell you that. You can't. The cross has got to work in your life. <laughs> Otherwise, the giant will kill you. He will kill you. Goliath or one of his brothers. But we're in David's army. <laughs> we're in Jesus' army. <laughs> and David's army were giant killers. <laughs> They were mighty men of valor. One man could kill 600 men. (laughs) Why? Because they were anointed. Isn't it better for you to be under the anointing? Jesus Christ means the anointed one. He was anointed to break the power of Satan. You can make a choose your life with Jesus 
and he will break the powers of darkness. He will, but you've got to make the choice, haven't you? Well, Moses turns aside to see this sight. And he said, Moses, Moses, God said to him, and he said, here am I. And he said, draw not hither, put up your shoes from your feet, for the place you stand is, what? Holy ground. Yeah. We know from the tabernacle of Moses, when people tried to come into the tabernacle who were not holy, they got consumed. When they did things that were wrong, the earth opened up. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead in church. But today, well, you see, we live in a scientific age and we're all very educated. And you see, we can't really believe in this supernatural stuff because we've been taught liberal theology. And anyway, all that stuff ceased with the last apostle died, and we are cessationists. God is cessationed. He ceased doing anything. He ceased as if. It's all a load of nonsense. It's all a lot of post hole diggers' ideas about God. Do you know the, like, the, the, the problem now in Pentecostal uh, Bible schools is they've, they've employed PhDs, post hole diggers, and they're telling their students, well, you can have an opinion about the Word of God. No, you can't. You can't have an opinion about what Jesus said about divorce. And you can't have an opinion about this, that, and the other. This is the Word of God. Of course, we are persecuted for what we believe. But it's better to be persecuted and be with Jesus. It's better to be a Jeth. Uh, what's it? What's it? Oh, Jochebed. I keep forgetting the name. Jochebed. And educate a boy to have faith who suddenly, after, after 80 years, she's gone, Jochebed's gone. But here is the seed planted in Moses and is coming to fruition. And this is what God says about, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And it says, Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people and I've heard their cry and I'm come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians. Wow. One man, but with God. And when you start to read this, and we haven't got time to go into all this, obviously. <laughs> you, can, you can study this for yourself. You've got one man with the great I am facing the most powerful nation in the world and the power of God in one man with his brother Arian, his, his spokesperson, because he couldn't speak anymore. Can't speak anymore. I've been with Zippera and she zipped me up. 
But anyway, one man, think about it, with the power of God, predict, pronounces ten judgments on Egypt. And a whole nation, about three million people with all the children and everything, and all their livestock and all the stuff. And they all come out through one ordinance. One ordinance, the Passover. Well, Jesus is your Passover. If he could deliver a whole nation in one night, don't you think the Passover will save you? It will, if you believe it. Isn't it wonderful? Haven't we got a wonderful Jesus? But as we just read in Corinthians, this is the person that created all things. He's the person that upholds all things by the word of his power. Can you meditate? Go home and meditate on this. Get a notebook. Like a, I fill all sorts of notebooks like this. I've got loads of these notebooks. I just keep writing and writing it down. And then, I, and then I come up here and I bring all these notes and I can't remember one note I've written. <laughs> I think I'm going to speak on that and that, that's what I'm going to say. And I get up here and I can't re... I, I, and, and this is... No, 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 no. You've done it. Now you just listen to me. <laughs> Put your spiritual headphones on and listen to me. And this is what we've got to do. Yes, we've got to do the study. We've got to do the laboring. You've got to look for this and look for that. And then you think, well, where is that? You have to get my concordance out. And bring the concordance and then find it. And, oh, yeah, that's where it is. And then, and then you find yourself after about an hour and you've gone on a long rabbit trail somewhere through the Word of God and you suddenly the light goes, oh, yes, I got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. You've got to labor to enter the rest. You see, it, it, see that the desert was all social, it was God's social security, wasn't it? The shoes didn't wear out, the trousers never got too short, their shirts just grew with them, they had dentists, no trouble with the teeth because <laughs> they didn't chew nuts. They just had manna, 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 manna. They were on spiritual social security, weren't they? God kept them. They had this cover from the heat in the day and a pillar of fire by night. We could do with a bit of uh, the heat of the day. Please, Lord. I'm feeling very warm. <laughs> yeah. You think about it. But... It says, when they crossed over Jordan with Joshua, it says, what did it say? The manna ceased. And the barley harvest was just coming. But there's labor attached to it. You can't look at the barley and think, oh, well, that's good stuff there. <laughs> Isn't that nice stuff, that barley? Well, you've got to go and reap it. You've got to crush it. You've got to mill it. And you've got to cook it. That's labor. And that's what you're doing with the Word of God. The Word of God is seed. But if you can plant it and water it, 
it'll bring forth much fruit. Isn't it wonderful? Are you a child of God? Yes. Are you? Yes. Do you believe you can, you can have everything that's on God's table? Yes. Or are you going to live like the pauper on the... The pauper on the... Um, on the cruise liner. He didn't know the meals were all included. He was on living on bread and cheese. No, no, we can eat at the captain's table. Can't we? We can eat at the captain's table. And Moses suddenly hears God. He sees the glory of God. He's given a rod. He's given authority. And do you know what it says about Moses when he went to go out of the land? Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, brother, you're a beautiful boy. Thank you. It's water, living water. <laughs> anyway, I better not keep you any longer because I can see you're steaming. You're, you are cooking in here. <laughs> and you know, when they came out of Egypt, it says, the armies of the Lord of hosts went with them. Do you know, here with us, there's angels. There's angels. There's angels. When we lift up the name of Jesus, when we glorify him, he comes amongst us. Do you understand that the tabernacle of Moses had what? The glory. And when the glory moved, the tabernacle moved. And that's what we've got to have, the glory. I speak tomorrow morning about the, the high priestly ministry of Jesus and how you've got to be careful as a believer, how you walk. Because I can see, as you read the old writers, they go to a depth that we need in our day. We need to get to the ritty gritty of the rock bottom of the foundation of the gospel so you can put your feet on it and you won't sink. No. You won't sink because this word is a rock. It's a foundation that's been laid. It's a highway that has been built for you to get from earth to glory. But will you travel on it? Will you walk in it? There is a highway and a way. I want to be on that highway, don't you? It's been built at great expense. Do you know, as you travel from South Wales up to Hereford, you can go two ways. You can go on the head of the valley. And when you see the roadworks that's been done there, the amount of mountain-moving vehicles that moved hills and mountains and tunnels, you can see that in the spirit, Jesus has done a tremendous work. Man fell down there. But we've been lifted up. We've been raised up. Ephesians says to sit together with him. 
Can you sit together with him tonight? Can you start lifting up Jesus? And we get a download of glory. My daughter was very ill, but a download of glory came in North Wales and suddenly what wouldn't work, suddenly worked like that. Instantaneous. The power of God can just break it. What is your need today? He can break the pans of wickedness. Everything that's not of God in your body is from Satan. He's a liar. He came with a fall, but Jesus has come to recover everything that we lost to bring us into the glory. We've got a greater than Moses. We've got Jesus. Paul says, as Moses was over that house, so Christ is over our house. He is the head. We'll give him all the glory, won't we? Will you give him all the glory this morning? We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. We give you praise, Lord, because you are high and lifted up. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you glory. We shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We say you have triumphed over all our enemies. You have delivered us. You've given us freedom and victory and deliverance. And every good thing comes from you, Father. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from our heavenly Father. Hallelujah, with whom there's no shadow, no even shadow of turning. No, there's no shadows. It's all light. <laughs> it's all light. Isn't it wonderful? Are we going to praise God? Hallelujah. <laughs> it's good to be in his presence, isn't it? It's good to be together. It's good to understand what God is saying in his word. It gives us, it gives us an insight into the wonders of the glory of his kingdom. You see, there's a new heaven and earth coming. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. No, he's not going down to that old temple down there. You're the temple. You're the lively stones. It, that will be something, won't it? when all those lively stones get together. But we can have a bit of glory on the way to glory. Are you going to go for glory? Do you believe it's Passover? Pentecost? Tabernacles? Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Do you believe you can be a tabernacle? Do you believe you can function? Do you believe you can have fire? Hallelujah. (laughs) You can have light. You can have bread, you can have oil and corn and wine, (laughs) and you can drink. (laughs) Keep drinking, keep eating, keep feasting. The old preacher said, no feasting, no Christianity. We're here to feast. We're here to eat, (laughs) and we're here to drink, and we're here to celebrate. It's time to dance. It's time to rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is Father's house. In Father's house, he kills the fatty calf. <laughs> he puts shoes on her feet, a ring on her finger, a robe of righteousness on him, and we start to rejoice. <laughs> We're in Father's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Thank you, Lord, for this water.